Hello everyone, this is Mark Vina with more insights and strategy. Today is Monday, June 10th, 2019. I have a, a terrific podcast in store for all of you uh, today. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had the chance to visit uh, Spain and attend the IFA Global Press Conference, and they typically have some remarkable uh, presentations, but in particular, the one I got a chance to listen to was one given by a Margot Edelman. Uh, Ed, uh, Margot is a, um, a vice president of the Venture Capital Funds Group uh, and also handles, by the way, a lot of startups in the Silicon Valley area. And she gave this terrific presentation on just the subject of trust and the importance of trust how trust varies from a perception standpoint in different regions of the world. And uh, once I listened to the presentation, I knew I had to reach out to Margot and ask her to um, recap that uh, presentation in a podcast. So with that, let me introduce Margot Edelman. Margot. So hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm Margot Edelman. I am at Edelman Public Relations, which is the world's largest PR firm. Uh, we're global, so we're in the US, Asia, Europe, and Latin America. I'm based in Silicon Valley, and as you said, I work with venture capital funds, startups, and larger technology companies helping, helping them to tell their story. Um, and I think, you know, if you see what's going on in the news, if you look at the data from our trust barometer, you can see that communications is more important than ever for tech companies, um, both for larger ones like Facebook and for ones that are kind of up and coming that are looking to introduce their products um, in the U.S. and outside. Um, mm -hmm. So very excited to be here with you today um, and, you know, obviously want to focus on some of the information in our annual trust barometer um, and then also looking forward to just talking about all things technology. Well, and, and it's a fascinating topic, uh, Margot, because when you look, you know, just trust in general is being challenged in so many different fundamental levels today. In the media, in politics, I mean, you just almost can't get away from it. So I really thought that the, uh, the, the, uh, the way that you presented the topic in Spain was so insightful because it really is an important uh, piece of data. And what was fascinating about it is, you know, there, there are some um, contradictions in some of the data that, uh, that you can explain in some ways. We'll probably talk a little bit about that. But what's also fascinating is how the data differs uh, from region to region around the world and from even from country to country. So I thought that was fascinating as well. But uh, why don't we talk a little bit about, first of, uh, first of all, the trust barometer um, uh, research that you do. Let's talk a little bit about the assumptions and the survey parameters so people can get a feeling for the scope of the data in terms of how you know, uh, deep dive-ish it went. Of course. So Edelman has been doing what we call the trust barometer for 19 years now. So we have a lot of data on trust. Mm -hmm. um, and specifically, we look at trust in what we see as four key institutions in the world, and that's NGOs, business, government, and media. Um, so we think these four key institutions are what help determine trust around the world. Um, so th in this year's survey, we did an online survey in 26 markets globally. It's a lot of markets. Mm -hmm. um, there were 33 respondents in total. So again, you know, really a representative sample of people in each market. Um, and then specifically, we looked at what we call kind of the general population. So that's just, you know, representative sample of the, um, the public in each market. And then we looked at what we call the informed publics. So that's specifically meeting four key criteria. So college educated, 
upper income, you know, consume news on a regular basis. And those are the people who are typically called kind of the chattering classes. Uh, (laughs) So we look at those kind of two different groups to see if there's discrepancies in trust um, between the two. And what we found this year is there, there definitely are. Um, and then within business overall, we look at subsectors. So financial services, automotive, CPG, and you know, what's important for this podcast, you know, technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really fascinating to see the discrepancies, um, in, uh, the different, um, uh, areas of business, um, and be able to kind of start to think through why that is. Now the, the now the data that you presented, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, the duration that the over the, the uh, dates that the data was the field work was conducted was between October and November of last year, correct? If yes, I'm not mistaken, exactly, exactly. It was fall of 2018. So uh, you know, the, and that's really interesting because we live in such a fast-paced society that you know one of the reactions I had some from a few people saying, well, you know, a lot of things have have happened since November of 2018. So how does that influence the data? And as you know, consumers perceptions and responses in a survey could turn in a, in a, on a dime, frankly, when, when certain public events dictate them to. But um, when will your next rev of this data, just from a curiosity standpoint, when will you present this again with refreshed data? We do this every year. So we survey every year in the fall um, mm-hmm. with the idea that it's ready to go um, actually for uh, the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum. So we, we publicize the data um, in January, and then we push out kind of different cuts of the data. So financial services, uh, trust in CEOs, trust in technology, um, all throughout the year um, through the spring. Sure. So let's just jump right into it because there is a lot of just fascinating information here. Uh, you know, at a high level, what were the key findings that you um, uh, that you discovered? Um, well, what was interesting, at least to me this year, is that. Trust in the technology sector was actually at a five-year high. Um, so especially kind of given all of the news around Facebook, Amazon, et cetera, I had really expected it to go down. Um, but what was interesting is it actually went up slightly. And what's fascinating is that trust in tech is actually significantly higher than trust in business overall. Trust in tech as an average of the 26 markets we surveyed stood at 28 points. Mm-hmm. Trust in business in general was at 56 points. So there's a over 20 point gap mm-hmm. between trust in tech and trust in business in general, showing just how much technology is trusted. Um, mm. And my hypothesis for why that is, is because technology is the iPhone that you have in your pocket. It's your computer. It's your ability to order an Uber. It's tangible things that mm-hmm. make your life better. There's this right. halo of trust around technology. Um, But then when you actually start to dig into the data a little bit further, it shows that it's really not all smooth sailing. You know, there are different areas or pockets where you can start to see some insecurity. Um, So for example, trust in technology subsectors, self-driving vehicles, blockchain, AI, all of those areas are significantly lower than trust in technology overall. I think showing kind of a lack of understanding or a lack of familiarity with these different new areas of tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also significant fear of job loss due to technology. So people worry they won't have the training and skills necessary to get a good job. People also worry about automation and innovation taking their jobs away. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of fear that, you know, 
technology is you know leading to job loss technology is leading to me not being able to keep up so there's definitely a, a fear um, around the technology sector that I think is felt by um, people around the world and in particular in the developed world in right. America and and Europe yeah and I want to get into that in a bit in terms of how the data breaks out in different regions of the world because I think that's important but at a macro level maybe said in a different way uh, to me it's intriguing that uh, you know, people have this almost kind of aspirational trust about technology at a macro level because they understand the promise and potential it can provide. And I, you know, you use the smartphone as an example. But then when you get into the, you know, individual, and I don't want to turn this into a brand presentation, but when you get into, into individual companies or, or brand perceptions, that can change dramatically because of, you know, if a, for example, not to use Facebook as a, as the poster child for the entire social media market, but obviously they've they've um, suffered a few issues, you know, from a, a trust standpoint um, for, for privacy lapses and security lapses, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it seems like a contradiction when you think about it, but it's really not. I mean, the uh, so to me that's a fascinating type of um, deep dive into that. But let, let's talk a little bit about though the the the, the regionalization issues and the um, and the differences in the data that you see, and let's say under the um, uh, the developed countries versus um, the non-developed countries. Totally. I mean, I, I think the two key data points that I want to really highlight here are that, you know, trust in technology um, is significantly higher in the developing world. So mm -hmm. that's China, India, the UAE. In China, which is the most um, trusting country, it's at uh, 91 points. Um, so that's super high, whereas in countries like Germany, the UK, Etc. It's significantly lower in Germany. It's at 68 points. So while it's still uh, trusted, it's significantly lower than in, let's say, China. Um, and you can really see that reflected in the policies. If you look at all of, you know, GDPR, for example, that's that's mm -hmm. come out in right. Europe. Um, I mean, you know, whether I don't know, kind of a chicken and egg problem. Whether it's um, which one is causing which is the regulation causing distrust <laughs> or vice versa. Right. right. Um, but there's definitely, definitely differences. Um, and then another kind of key stat I wanted to point out um, is that we see that as a whole globally, 47% of people believe that technological innovations are happening too quickly and leading to changes that are not good for people like me. Mm -hmm. um, and that is particularly true, I think, again, in the um, in the developed world. Um, and so, again, there's this, there's this fear um, in the developed world that technology is not necessarily a, um, a good thing, whereas that's not necessarily true um, in, in Asia, for example, where technology is, you know, really seen as having this, these huge benefits. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, again, another stat that's super interesting is that <clears throat> uh, in 14 of the 26 markets we surveyed, and this is primarily in uh, countries in the developed world, um, the majority of the mass population do not believe they will be better off in five years than they are today. Um, mm -hmm. That is France, Germany, the UK, Japan, the United States, Ireland, Spain. Um, it really is a developed world that has this fear about the future. Whereas mm -hmm. in countries like India, China, et cetera, um, they do believe their future is going to be better. And I mm -hmm. think that directly relates back to, um, to what we saw about, you know, believing that technology um, is helping me or believing that technology is, you know, something that's scary and something to fear. Well, so let's talk about that, you know, from a long, um, a long view from a history standpoint, because you've been doing this survey for so long 
that particular top um, data point where you know people don't seem to feel that their life is going to improve going forward or it's going to be better, which has always been a tenant, I and mean, just in the United States, I mean that's been kind of a I wouldn't say a winning formula, but that's kind of the, been the um, the mantra of the American um, dream, so to speak, that you know you're going to have a better life than your parents, et cetera, et cetera. Totally. Um, ha- is that something that has changed just in the last one or two years, or has that trend been happening for some time? You know, that's a really good question. I would need to, you know, obviously see the data. I don't have it in front of me. Right. Um, but I do believe it's been a trend that's been percolating for quite some time. But I, th- I do think, you know, in particular, since the financial crisis, there's been, you mm-hmm. look at the, like the economy, there's been a huge recovery for kind of the, you know, wealthier Americans. And then for kind of the everyday guy, um, they haven't seen their income recover. Um, it, it The world hasn't gotten better. So I think it's directly related to what they're feeling about their income, what they're feeling about their prospects. Um, and you can see from from kind of the wealth discrepancy in the United States that it's definitely um, definitely a trend that's, you know, getting more, not less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see your, 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 uh, the, your, when you refresh the survey uh, later this year to see if, have, if any of those data points have changed. Um, what are the key data points out of this survey that you think that are worthy of uh, mentioning? Um, I mean, I, I think I've gone through a decent number. I want to maybe go through some a few that show maybe a little bit more hope or opportunity rather sure. than just the ones that are kind of doom, doom and gloom. Um, so <laughs> sure, one, go ahead. <laughs> one interesting point is that um, the majority of people think that technology companies should do more to educate around emerging skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we can see that 77% of people agree that tech companies should play a larger role to ensure that the education education system keeps pace with the skills people will need in the future. And I think this is an important point to highlight because it shows there's a real opportunity for technology companies to play a role in retraining workers, um, in helping make sure that college graduates or maybe people who don't have a college degree are ready for the workforce. Um, And that seems to be a place where people want companies really to step in and play a role rather than relying just on government. Um, right, so in, right. in particular, as a communications professional, if companies are looking for ways to make a difference, have a purpose, this is a key area where companies really, tech companies in particular, can really kind of step up and, and make a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one point I want to highlight. Um, and then and another the, one... Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Please go ahead, Bogart. I was going to say another one is that the majority of people agree that CEOs should be leading on change. Mm-hmm. So 76% of people, which is up 11 points from last year, say that CEOs should take the lead on change rather than waiting for government to impose it. And this is true for areas such as equal pay, for training for the jobs of tomorrow, for personal data, the environment. They really give CEOs the license to lead on a variety of different areas and mm-hmm. you know, believe it's up to them to make a difference. And again, I think that's a really positive message um, for CEOs overall and in particular for technology CEOs who may you know, not necessarily think it's their role um, to, uh, to step up in this way. And you know, the data really shows that people are looking for this type of leadership. Right, and and I agree with it a hundred percent because you look at companies like Apple, for example, and in Silicon Valley, I think it's certainly true that you know CEOs are kind of like the rock stars of their companies with very high profiles, like Tim Cook that has at uh, Apple, and there's no question about it. I'm, I'm I uh, I know for a fact, you know, and, and Cook has been very public about this. 
he believes that he has to take a leadership role in driving a lot of the change. You know, and he's been very, very open about it. And, and I think they've done some very progressive stuff. And particularly if you look at the, um, the uh, WWDC event that happened early in the event, they are uh, leading the, the, the charge on security and privacy. I mean, they really are setting the bar, which is a good thing. But the other data point in your presentation I thought was really interesting and very optimistic from my perspective was that a majority of your survey respondents really believe that companies can not only increase their profits, but they can do their profits and better the community at the same time. They don't have, it's not mutually exclusive. It's not like, well, you know, a company can maximize profits and throw uh, care about the community out the window or vice versa, that they're not mutually ex uh, um, exclusive. Um, um, uh, it's not a mutually exclusive scenario. So let's talk a little bit about that because I thought that was particularly um, positive in terms of the data that came out of your survey. I, I completely agree. And I actually almost think that investing in the communities in which you operate gives companies the license to operate. It gives them the license to grow, uh, to keep expanding their campuses. Um, you can just see from Silicon Valley, you know, the fact that, you know, companies that, you know, maybe five years ago didn't necessarily view themselves as part of the fabric of the Bay Area have really changed and I think have started to invest. You know, you can see that in, you know, Seattle with Microsoft and Amazon mm -hmm. as well. So I think you can really see technology companies starting to think of themselves as local, uh, not just as global. Right. Um, you know, Salesforce and Benioff obviously are an amazing example of that um, in San Francisco proper, um, but other companies are, are starting to follow suit as well. And I bet the $64,000 question that you get when you review this data is, well, if you comprehend all this data, you know, how um, can tech uh, companies communicate um, to build better trust? I mean, what kind of vehicles, what, what are the kind of things and tactics they should embrace to really build trust with their uh, customers? Totally. We, we, definitely get that, we definitely get that a lot. That's a lot of our, our profession. Um, so a couple areas I want to touch on first are kind of the channels that people or companies should be using um, to build trust. Mm -hmm. um, so what we can see is that we actually specifically looked at trust in different types of media um, and to understand which channels you know are the most trusted, which ones are the least. And what we could see is that actually trust in search is high. Um, so search engines um, like a Google, et cetera, um, are high in Europe, US and Canada, Latin America, and Asia. The same with trust in traditional media. Um, so again, it's kind of in the mid 60s. Mm -hmm. However, trust in social media has actually had a big drop um, in Europe and then also in the US and Canada, it stands in the mid 30s. So if you're a company, you really should think about, you know, how do I optimize for search? How do I, you know, make sure that traditional media um, are writing kind of, you know, getting, getting my news out th through the traditional media, writing good things about me. Um, mm -hmm. And then for social, obviously, you know, it's, it's still important, but it's not necessarily the um, kind of end all and be all way to get your news out there mm -hmm. um, if you're a company. Um, and then another key element is to activate trusted voices. Um, so what's really interesting is that a company's technical expert and an academic expert are actually the most trusted voices about a company. Mm -hmm. um, so having somebody who's a technical expert within your company speak about the company is a way to build trust. Um, this is followed by a person like yourself. So again, peer-to-peer -peer communications are very important. Um, same with a regular employee. Um, 
And, you know, again, you know, for um, perhaps more of the Silicon Valley audience, a successful entrepreneur is also credible to talk about kind of his or her business. Right. Um, so, you know, those are kind of the the mantras or the, the people we say should be um, out there speaking on your behalf. You know, it's interesting about that data. You know, one of the hottest um, marketing tactics that um, have been uh, in, uh, in play for over the last two or three years is this whole notion of creating brand ambassadorships with customers. And a lot of companies, and some companies are, are, are more ahead of it than others, they, they, they find that, you know, when they have a customer who likes their product, that, that, that trust and that equity that that customer has with the value of the product really speaks volumes from a marketing effectiveness standpoint in terms of communicating the brand um, a value of a product. So it's just kind of interesting that that kind of this your data really jives with you know the, for the need for companies to create you know brand ambassadors, frankly, for their products and their services. So I find that very very interesting. Um- Absolutely. I completely agree. I think that's the right way to look at it for a um, more of an enterprise business is that you need customers to speak on your behalf. And anytime we talk about, um, you know, how do you get, you know, a good story in the news? How do you build up your profile on your website, et cetera? Having those kind of third party testimonials in particular from customers is, is hugely important. So we, in the few minutes we have left, let's talk a little bit about uh, the imperatives mm-hmm. that you believe um, exist out there for companies to reinforce, reinforce and build trust. How can they go about that in a very, you know, uh, 10,000 feet uh, manner? Sure. So we came up with kind of five key imperatives um, that companies can use to reinforce and build trust in today's world. So this is, you know, facilitating training and skills development, um, you know, going back to that um, that slide on retraining, um, you know, mm-hmm. again, people really, really want companies to help uh, retrain workers, to help train, um, you know, the workforce of tomorrow. So that's sure. really an, an opportunity for business. Um, you know, provide opportunities for your current employees. Um, you know, I think, you know, let's say, you know, the jobs of tomorrow are obviously different than the jobs of today. How can you help your employees be prepared for them? Um, you know, third, you know, CEOs should lead on positive change. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. going back to what we talked about before. It's critical for CEOs to be seen as, um, you know, real thought leaders and investing in, you know, making helping their companies make the world a better place. Um, fourth, you know, invest to better the community in which you operate. It's not enough to say, okay, I'm a citizen of the world. You're a citizen of a place. Um, and that means that you're investing to help your, you know, your workforce, you know, have housing. Um, but that's also means that you're helping the community in which you operate, whether it's hospitals, whether it's schools, et cetera. And then finally, just, you know, be transparent and open, talk about what you're doing. Don't try to hide things. And I think that's, you know, really critical, uh, for technology companies as they navigate the world today is just to, you know, operate in an open and transparent way. No, and I think that's really important because the, 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 that, that the transparency word is a word that comes up over and over again on a variety of different um, levels. And I think that's absolutely critical, frankly, for you know, companies out there that if they really establish trust, they have to um, trust their, <laughs> that their customers will appreciate good things and bad things. And when you're transparent with, with uh, people, they tend to really appreciate that. Um, this was really fascinating, um, Margot, and I'm, I'm cannot uh, wait until you do the next iteration of this data um, later in the year. It'll be interesting to see what's changed, both on the upside and the downside. But uh, are there any kind of uh, parting messages you want to leave before we uh, end the podcast? 
you know, I think we've basically covered kind of everything we, I wanted to talk about. So thank you again for the time. Um, it's a fascinating space. I'm also uh, very interested in what the data for the next year uh, will hold, since I could not have told you um, that, for example, <laughs> that, you know, trust in tech would go up slightly this year. I was predicting it would go down. Um, so again, you never really know until you see it. So I'm, I'm also looking forward to it. Oh, that's great. Well, listen, Margo, thank you very much for spending your time uh, with us today at More, uh, More Insights and Strategy. Um, thanks to the entire More uh, Insights and Strategy audience. Please follow us on our usual social media suspects, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And until next time, have a great weekend.